Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 75. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd be given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm just dandy. Still under quarantine here. We're both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, uh, we're having a conversation this week that, like some of our others, was inspired by one of our guests, right? Yes, sir, it was. If we think back to episode 71 with Brad Tompkins, he talked about moving up to the director of technology services. And in that role, he talked about having to hire and fire vendors, but not employees. So I thought it might be interesting to explore the idea of vendor management and whether someone could use that as relatable experience to get a job as a people manager. You think we can do it? I think so. Relatable experience. Yes, sir. Here we go. So let's start with the different types of vendors someone might have to manage. You have real estate, utilities, food and beverage service for an office, a cleaning service, lawn service, just a general supplier of, of any kind of goods you might need. Logistics, other things that are really just services, legal services, human resources, payroll, consulting, staffing, then you might have specific technology vendors that sell software, hardware, telecom, security. Could be any number of things. Lots of different vendors out there. But you know, John, why don't we talk about what exactly managing vendors involves? Let me just ask this question before we get too far ahead. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're probably going to specifically exclude the type of vendor management that happens when you're a reseller, right? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because that's a whole different thing. And we'll probably have to do um, somebody who's in that kind of uh, role and, and interview them about that, uh, what that type of thing involves. Yeah, this would be the specific scenario where I am a member of an organization that's considered a customer, and I need to leverage a vendor for some type of product and or service. Got it. Okay, cool. So when I manage vendors, one of the things that I would have to do is I would actually have to interview them. And part of that is sourcing them. Much like you would have to find prospects or good candidates for to fill a job role. So how would I actually find good vendors? Maybe it's a referral from someone I know. Maybe it's a recommendation from an online community or review that I read somewhere. And, you know, there are even services out there where I can hire a broker that will find me the best vendor for the job. For example, if you're getting quotes for telecom service, you can hire an independent firm and they'll go and get you the best rate or the best service to help you meet your needs. So I have to, I have to interview them and I've got to get good sources and then I've got to interview them to see 
are, are they going to be right for my company to fix a problem or find a solution? So right away, I'm seeing what you're talking about. The relatable experience that you mean here is kind of maintaining that network of people that you trust to help you source those vendors. And then the second relatable skill is to interview the vendor to see if they meet what it is that you need them to do. Exactly. Makes and sense. If, and if they don't, you know, I may have multiple rounds that I go through to, to narrow down the field, just like a full interview process until we get to the one that gets awarded business. But, Got it. But probably even before I start interviewing the vendors, maybe I've done some prospecting, seen what's out there, developed a pool. Maybe I haven't talked to anyone yet, but I need to figure out what is the need I have. What problem am I trying to solve? What is it that a vendor could offer me that I don't have? Much like if I'm adding to my internal team, what skill is it that I'm hiring for? What set of qualities do I want as a, you know, to fit the culture on the team? So if you think about job requirements for uh, an employee, think about requirements that the vendor has to meet. Why would I be reaching out to a vendor for XYZ? Is this something that we cannot do ourselves or, or a product or service we must get from another vendor? And is, is my need something that's essential to the company's doing business? Is this going to drive value for my company or is this just something that would be nice to have? It would be really nice if I had a cloud phone system. Well, what's that going to do to drive business forward, right? Yeah, I can see that. Like there's probably the um, the, the other option would be um, it's vital for you to be able to do, but it's not vital for you to be to have that expertise of doing it in-house because it's just something you consume. And I think the the example we always use in this case is an electrician, right? It's really important to have good, high-quality electrical wiring and electricity, but you don't want to have, like, an electrician on staff until it makes sense to have an electrician on staff. You just hire one. Right. Kind of the build versus buy if you're talking about implementing technology. Sure. Yeah. Once you've communicated the need, done some interviewing of the vendors, you're going to have to get pricing because it's going to cost you money, right? Very unlikely that you're going to get everything you want to for free. So I may need to have some good negotiation skills. Most likely I wouldn't take the first bid offered to me. I would try to trim the fat off the top. Is everything in that bid something I asked for, something I needed? Am I being upsold? Is it a fair price? Something you may have to do with a candidate who has specific salary requirements and you have a specific budget to meet. You know, are there, can you bump up the starting salary for person XYZ because you believe they're the right fit and it still fits within your budget? If it doesn't fit, may not be a match, just like with a vendor. If there's no way I can get budget for this, or it's way outside what my budget will allow, probably can't do it. It's interesting because that makes me think it goes back to the defining needs section, right? There's probably different um, 
budgets for different tiers of service that you're you're looking for. So, you know, if you're willing to, you know, buy that bronze tier, you know, um, you're looking for excellence at the bronze tier. If all that's available in, are, to you are um, vendors that are quoting you silver tier prices, then you're looking for your best value of silver tier service, not just prices, right? And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use the example of a car service, right? I need to get from A to B, you know, is there like an incremental value to having like a nicer car pick me up and take me someplace? Probably, but there's probably also a point where I stop caring about the increased level of like, um, uh, you know, the quality of the vehicle. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, the marginal amount of value that I got from having a higher price car, like wasn't really that great. You know, I, I still got there, you know, but you know, I didn't get there better. It was just like more expensive. Absolutely. And that, that speaks a little bit to how do you actually make the decision on what vendor to go with for your particular project is you know, once you have all the, all the offers or bids in front of you, are they all the same? What are the differentiators among the different options? And are those differentiators something that you classified as important when you were thinking about what you needed? Or are they just fluff? Now, usually when you make an agreement with a vendor, not all the time, but usually there's a, a term of contract, a year, two years, three years, some might do month to month. You know, if you're swiping your credit card for a cloud service, you're still hiring a vendor and you're paying the on-demand price. That works. You know, you could think of this as contract workers versus someone who is a full employee. Maybe you need someone for a six-month project to implement system XYZ or provide this level of consulting and you don't need them full-time over any length after that. Right. Makes sense. So once you make the hire of the vendor, hopefully you've thought about this too. Once they're on board, once they're working with you, how do you evaluate whether they're performing well? What metrics are you going to use to decide that they are doing a good job? And how often are you going to revisit and look at these? You know, are you, are you supposed to shop around for a new vendor for this service or this product every one to two years because of what procurement is driving home or what the CEO wants just to try and get a better deal? It, you know, is it about relationships in the, within the vendor account and with the account team you have? Are there pricing changes? You know, sometimes vendors have to increase the price to the customer because they're, the agreement maybe wasn't as good for them as it was for the customer and they have higher overhead or they're providing more value than they were. Or, or maybe there's a discount. Maybe that vendor can deepen the agreement by taking on additional things, increasing the scope of their contract. And so... When you think about a price increase on a vendor side, maybe that's more equivalent to justifying an employee's raise, an increase in compensation because they've added more value, developed more skills that have 
driven the team and the business forward. Yeah, I totally get it. And probably like, you know, to keep on drawing that people management um, analogy, you don't just at the end of a term suddenly say, by the way, here's all the metrics that I was judging you by and you fell down, right? You probably do that as part of like the hiring process, you know, or the, the onboarding process of a vendor and say, you know, here's what we're looking for. We're looking for this quality of service at the price that you're providing. And here's how we're kind of going to judge that. You know, were you present? Did you do the job? Was it to our satisfaction? How much rework was there? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, was it timely? And and then, you know, having routine, you know, regular meetings, you know, just like a regular cadence to to kind of go over that evaluation and say, hey, you know, you're, you're drifting off a little bit here. Um, here and here you're spot on. In fact, you're, you're outperforming, um, what our expectations were. Um, and then, you know, with that evaluation, that periodic evaluation, you're giving that, that vendor a chance to, to correct the things that they need to correct and maybe even giving them justification to raise their prices. But, you know, if that's, that might be warranted because of the amazing service they're providing. Yeah. And that made me think it's almost the equivalent of developing an individual, performance plan or self-improvement plan for an employee over time. You want to get to this level, do the same thing for a vendor. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also liked, um, the additional value and additional scope that a vendor could bring, you know, imagine somebody comes and you're just hiring them to periodically come in and like, you know, clean out your laser printers or something like that. I, maybe that's not something that people do anymore. And maybe I'm really old, but you know, just as like a, a service. And then they say, you know what, since we're out here, why don't we actually service your high speed copiers as well? And by the way, since we're there every week doing that, why don't we deliver your coffee to you too and refill your uh, hot cocoa? Right. And, and so they're increasing their scope. And if they're, you, you trust them to do one thing, and they're really good at it and they end up being really good at other things, then, you know, maybe that's warranted. Right. Yeah. Pros and cons to bundling services versus breaking them up. Right. Right. But I can imagine, you know, again, it's that people management thing where the person says, Hey, you know, I, you hired me to do this. I'm interested in taking on this additional project. And you say, okay, yeah, I'm willing to, to, you know, you haven't done that for me before, but I'll, let's give it a try. And then they excel at that. And then, you know, they've increased the scope of their effectiveness and how much, you know, you're expecting them to do. And then they increase it again and increase it again. And then, you know, you're, you're giving them the, the attaboys during, you know, all your routine reviews. And that's the kind of person that deserves a raise or, you know, title bump or however it is that you uh, compensate people. There is a term for that small step or dipping the toe into the pond in determining whether to go forward with that extra responsibility for a vendor employee. We call that ooching. Got that out of a book by Chip and Dan Heath called Decisive. It's actually Mm -hmm. an excellent book about how to make better decisions. And they say, if you can't decide, ooch, take a small step toward one of the options and that will lower the risk if it if it doesn't work out. You do a proof of concept or a yep. pilot. Yeah. 
what's the uh, origin of the term ooch? Is it short for something or is it like a... That's just the term they used in the book. I don't remember if they gave the history of where it came from. But Oh, that's very interesting. I, that that hasn't caught on, by the way, guys. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> First we'll, time I've ever heard that. I guess we'll ooch into the next bullet, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> you know, John, when relationships get tough, sometimes we have to say it's not going to work out. Yeah. Even though... A vendor may have a particular term of contract. We may decide that it was the best decision to end that early. A lot of different reasons that could happen. It could be that, you know, your metrics that you developed and continued to evaluate against, the vendor just continued to fall short and you had to, you had to cut them just like you would an employee who didn't cut the mustard and didn't perform. Right. And you also have to consider what is the cost of terminating that agreement with a vendor. You know, if you have a three-year term on your for your internet service provider, and you terminate after two years, are you going to cover the cost of that last year? Because a lot of times you you're locked into to paying it. Mm-hmm. It could be the same. Well, it may not be exactly the same, but when you fire an employee, there is a cost to firing that employee and, and hiring someone else. All the turnover costs in terms of healthcare and insurance and many different things. But there is a cost to terminate. Sometimes it's worth it. Again, the, the decision is on the person managing that relationship with the vendor and others right. that they work with. So this goes back to performance management. I, I like that analogy that you drove. Um, and then figuring out whether the employee can or cannot, you know, uh, react positively to uh, critique and guidance towards growth, right? Yeah, absolutely right. makes sense. Yeah, you certainly wouldn't want to end it after one bad incident. You want to try and work through it and give some opportunities for feedback and improvement. But there comes a threshold where you have to say, okay, I'm cutting my losses. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the incident, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. You sure. hire, you hire a cleaner and then they like start a fire in your, <laughs> in your office waste basket and, and it causes $10,000 worth of damage. Maybe you, you go with a different cleaning crew. Um, sure. But, but yeah, I, I totally get it. It's, you know, um, if there's, you know, Hey, you guys missed a spot or you didn't, you know, you didn't vacuum the section and you know, that was part of the deal in my really thinly stretched analogy here, then yeah, it's, it's the same thing as, you know, managing an employee like, Hey, I need you to pick it up in this spot and this spot here. Right. Just hope your vendor didn't take you to the cleaners on the price. Ooh. Yeah. Didn't. What about the responsibility for vendor management within a customer organization? So who is actually going to be the person who manages the relationship with that vendor? It's likely that they were probably involved in every step that we talked about before, the interviewing, the communicating of the need, getting pricing and quotes, the influencing on whether you're going to select them, and evaluating the performance, as well as potential termination. So here are some of the ways I've seen it, John. Maybe you can comment on different things that you've seen. I've seen a dedicated person within the company who 
they are the relationship manager for every vendor the company uses. It doesn't matter what arena the service or product falls in. It goes through vendor management. Sometimes it's actually procurement. Maybe you only do part of the work and procurement does the rest. Or management wants procurement to manage relationships with all the vendors independent of what type of vendor they are. I know in a, in a lot of companies, especially in our field, technology, the technology folks have a big part in managing the vendor relationship. They're going to have a, a large influence, if not the, the yes-no, as to whether the company goes with IT vendor XYZ. And it could be the same for other departments like HR and marketing, you name it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any differences there that maybe weren't mentioned? Yeah, I, I, I would say maybe some clarifications on terms. A lot of times, whenever I heard procurement, like what I thought of was an organization at a company whose job was to negotiate on price, right? So it's like you might have like dealt with a group of people who are evaluating vendors and they might have had some ideas about you know, price versus value versus whatever. And then whenever it went to procurement, it was like somebody who was completely disregarding all of those things and was just there to negotiate the price down a little bit more. (laughs) And so, you know, some companies have organizations like that, you know, and, you know, then procurement is literally just about that purchasing process. And it is not about the, the performance process, right? And so they would have like a separate vendor management group who would manage performance. And, you know, that was interesting too. Sometimes they were actually there to help, right? So the vendor management team would say, hey, if you are having difficulties getting in front of people for meetings to to drive forward projects, come to us and we will make sure that the people are are in the room and we will get access to their calendars and, and make sure those meetings happen and hold them accountable, right? Otherwise, you know, it's literally not your fault if the project is not getting done on time if you can't get those meetings. So, um, you know, that, that vendor management group, like that could act in, in a couple different ways, right? It could be, you know, kind of just the selection arm and it could also be, you know, part of the performance management. So it really just varies from organization to organization and, and maybe the names aren't as important, right? Some organizations I saw had a technology acquisition group and then a technology operations group, and there were two separate groups. So, um, you know, kind of maybe like fit that, hey, we're going to evaluate the new technology, we're going to onboard it, we're going to get a pilot going, maybe get it, you know, a small project into production, and then hand it off to the operations group to scale it. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I've seen it operate that way as well. Um, But I, I think that there's, you know, a bunch of different models, and you know, if you want to go into people management, I think it kind of does make sense to, if you cannot become a people manager in the organization that you're in, then maybe look at this vendor management role as part or, you know, part of your path to doing that, to be able to get some related experience. And one thing we didn't actually mention, John, is the company size in this, if you work for a company that has a global footprint, 
Mm-hmm. And the scope of your seeking a vendor is actually global. It might result in a massive request for proposal document with all these conditions that every vendor has to has to respond to. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of people from different teams to weigh in on that and a lot of time to make a decision. Whereas if it's a smaller scope, like maybe it's just one region, one state, a couple different offices, then maybe that's a smaller team or just one person and it doesn't lengthen the process. But I've seen both. Sure, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Now here's the golden question, John. And since since you are more the expert in this area, I'm going to toss it to you. After all these things we've talked about that are involved in managing vendors and how that might be relatable to managing people, can I add this experience managing vendors to my resume? And if so, what are some ideas on how to do that? Hmm. Yeah. So I would say yes. Like the, the easy answer up front is yes. If, if you're trying to get a people management role, but you haven't done that job before and you're looking for that break, but you have done a vendor management role before, you know, especially at the onboarding performance management and termination, then, you know, you should put it on your resume and you should put it on in a way that draw like clearly draws the parallel between vendor management and people management. And, um, so I would say you probably want to put it on and emphasize basically, uh, that process of sourcing, you know, the networks that you had to build your ability to, you know, locate, you know, quality vendors, uh, volume of vendors, you know, the complexity of the, the problems that you were trying to solve and the scope of the problems you're trying to solve like you mentioned was it local was it regional was it countrywide was it international um and then the depth you know of complexity of that right so um you know again the analogy i'll i'll use is uh um well you said lawn service like uh, up front up top so let's use lawn service you know there's the lawn service that i need for you know come in mow my lawn you know point out to me where there's like, you know, bald spots or, you know, if I need to use fertilizers or something like that and then leave. And then there's like the lawn service that probably a country club uses, right. To, to keep their grounds and, and the areas that, um, are public facing as like prospective members and members drive up to the country club, you know, to, you know, and it's, and it's basically about projecting, um, you know, an, an aura and a feeling of like luxury and, and, uh, and, and, you know, along those lines that, you know, so you have complexity and how important it is to the business, you know, is that probably that third piece, um, you know, that the grounds of the country club, as you approach are, are a very important sales tool and a very important customer service, like, you know, part of the package of, of what it is people are buying when they buy a membership, you know, and maybe if it's a golf club, then, uh, you know, when they look at the grounds as they're driving up, that that's part of what they're evaluating versus, you know, how good the golf course is going to be. Right. So they're drawing conclusions consciously or unconsciously. Right. So there's different types, you know, scope and, you know, complexity and, um, 
importance to the overall goals of the business of any given service. So the more complex it is, um, the more important to the business it was, and the more involved in the sourcing, the interviewing, and the performance management and termination you were, and you you're able to explicitly point to examples of each one of those things, then I think, you know, that that's how you should put it on your resume. Um, but you actually need to be involved in that, right? So if you're hiring like a custodial service, it was, you know, totally minimal and it had very little impact to the business. It kind of didn't matter and nobody cared like which custodial service you used and it was fine and you, didn't really meet with them on a regular basis and never had to, you know, give them any feedback, then I, I don't know how, how valuable that actually was, you know, and it certainly is probably not a good analogy to hiring people, right? Because it wasn't that important. You didn't have to do much management. Um, you know, so how, how is that analogous to managing a team of people to do a job? You know, not very. So, you know, you want to, again, be able to draw those strong analogies, you know, so well that the person reading the resume goes, oh, yeah, you know, they don't have any people management experience. But I mean, this might as well have been managing the people who are part of the vendor. Right. So certainly they, you know, kind of were a people manager. So I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. And maybe we can uh, someday talk to a hiring manager or a director to uh to look at that what is that they're looking for for a first-time manager yeah i like that open call for hiring managers ding 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 we want to pick your brain (laughs) dm at nerd journey you know another thing that you mentioned earlier john was the fact that you can really build your network by being someone who's managing the vendor relationships and meeting all these people you know if just like we talked about leaving an organization gracefully in a previous episode if you can go through the hiring and firing of vendors gracefully and still maintain those relationships with people, I mean, even if you can't in some cases, you're still going to have a pretty large network of folks that you could reach out to. Maybe you're looking to take a next step in your career, or maybe you go to your next company and you do something similar you're going to think of that vendor you had a good relationship with and probably pull them in to help you at the next company. And if they really liked working with you and figured out that you needed some help, I think that they would probably reach out on a personal level and say, hey, absolutely, I'd be willing to help you. There are some openings here at my company or I heard about something over here. Right, right. Yeah, I can absolutely see how that would happen. It's funny because I remember one of the vendors I onboarded in my last IT ops job, I just reached out to some of the people today to uh, to chat with them uh, about how, how their experience during COVID-19 was and make sure they were okay and they were doing fine. So that was good to hear. But um, yeah, if you maintain those relationships, you know, really without, um, without an agenda, right? Like you want to just maintain that relationship and see how things are going like that. That's just a, a valuable thing to have. Um, a portfolio of contacts and people that you can reach out to if you ever are in a bind, right? Especially if you're, you know, serving that network. Um, And I'm sure that we have some recommendations on episodes we can go back about uh, and and listen to about uh, building a professional network. Yep. 
we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah, I'll sure. make sure to put a link to the uh, manager tools um, episodes about those as well. Of course, probably where I cribbed most of my information from. So, yeah, John's not turned on an affiliate link for manager tools yet, but he's getting close. <laughs> hey, steal from the best. That's right. They have some good <laughs> stuff for sure. All right. Hey, anything else pop in your mind before we get out of here? No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at V Journeyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Adios.